Welcome to the PSD Cast with your host, Jason Lumberg with Power Systems Design. One of the most fundamental questions for every designer is how long their power electronics last. It's a topic that sprung up with our recent September issue on test and measurement, and designers and OEMs are always looking for more insight on the matter. And here to elaborate on it is our old friend Martin Schultz from Little Fuse. So, Martin, welcome back, and let's start with this. What are the main reasons that power semiconductors are limited in their service life? Hi, Jason. First, thanks for having me and for the nice invitation. Well, if you look at power electronics, it, it looks like nothing's moving. So the moment you see parts moving, you agree that wear on friction happens, and this wears things out finally. Uh, with power electronics, it's literally the same, but on a microscopic scale. When things heat up, they expand. Expansion means movement and different things expand differently. So tips, copper layers, ceramic layers, aluminum to copper, it all works differently on temperature rise, and the difference invokes some mechanical tension. And even if it's on microscopic level, if it works hundreds of times a minute, well, and it survives even, even millions of times, then after years in service, it starts to degrade and finally fails. Okay. So what type of power sem- semiconductors tend to have a shorter lifespan relative to expectations? Ah, that's, um, that's not the proper question. So the expectation def- def- is defined by uh, your choice of power electronics. If you miscalculated something, then your power electronic component will fail way before your expectation. However, if you make a proper thermal design, then even a good old tyristor will last just as long as a modern silicon carbide MOSFET and vice versa. So um, the question is more related to how do you predict how long the device will last? All right, that sounds good. Well, um, can you discuss the impact of uh, early failure rates on ONEMs? Yeah, okay. So um, we all know this uh, legendary bathtub curve. That's a curve that looks like a cutaway of a bathtub with a very steep negative slope in the beginning. That's the early failures. These you typically find in final testing during production. Then the curve remains flat. That's the years of operation. And then again, there's a positive slope, which indicates the components that fail because of end of life. So the problem for the chip manufacturer or semiconductor manufacturer is to find the weak parts that uh, are not supposed to go into the market. So uh, the manufacturers do final testing and apply some stress. And weak links or parts at the edge of their specification most likely fail during those tests. Most likely means we cannot be 100% sure that not one or the other part makes it into the market. So that's pure statistic and math. But of course, it's uh, a nasty thing that if you, if you have a first design and uh, your design goes through final testing and it fails because there was a weak component inside. But uh, luckily, the, the procedures to find those weak links and to not deliver um, weak devices to the market have been improved massively. So uh, we count this in parts per million. Makes sense. So, all right, well, let's, let's turn this inwards. How does Little Fuse help prevent early failure rates? Well, the, the most important thing is that our customer 
it's supported by us in predicting a lifetime. So let me give you an example from experience. For a washing machine, a power module was chosen as a power component for the, for the drivetrain. Without our support, and about three months after the first devices got into the market, they started failing. And the customer complained that the device was the failure, and we had analysis done. And we found out that the load profile he applied to the component, according to our calculations, the component would have lasted no longer than eight weeks. So surviving for three months shows that our data remains conservative. Trouble was, in those washing machines, not the ones you and I use at home, but the ones used on hotels or on uh, um, hospitals, for example, where larger amounts of uh, textile needs to be handled, um, they need the high acceleration to, uh, to spin the, the, wash, the, the textiles dry. And this, they do forward, then they slow down, then they reverse. And this mode of operation applies pure thermal power cycling stress to the power component. And it wasn't done once or twice a day like in your home and my machine. It was applied uh, 10 or 20 times during half an hour period, and that half an hour period was 24 hours a day. So you've got uh, 500 cycles a day where the washing machine with you and me would have 500 cycles potentially in a year. So we figured out that the component that was chosen was massively undersized. We did the math and predicted a lifetime for uh, that component, and it turned out it lasted longer than we would have expected. And then, of course, we returned to the load profile and did a second investigation, what would be the proper component. And then it turns out that instead of using a 50-amp component, a 150-amp component would be needed. And then, problem solved. Perfect. Well, thanks, Martin. I, I want to thank you for your time. And to our audience, thanks for tuning in and have a great day.